This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, August 26th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, San Miguel County sees spike in COVID cases. Closing time, double time in Telluride. Telluride to increase affordable housing funding. And a mountain weather forecast. San Miguel County is seeing a severe uptick in COVID cases. Over the past week, public health confirmed 14 positive COVID cases among county residents. Then on Thursday alone, public health confirmed another 20-plus positive cases. Once again, county officials are urging caution and care to keep the COVID variant from spreading. It feels like Groundhog Day number 5,892. All of this information stinks to hear it. We would need to keep our students in school and our businesses open. And to do that, it's going to require a little bit more sacrifice from us all. That's San Miguel County Manager Mike Bordonia speaking on Coto on Thursday. While the data doesn't look promising, Bordonia does note the uptick isn't completely unexpected. It is still tourist season. Our residents are still visiting. We've all kind of had this summer of low incidents and positivity where people have gotten relaxed in their behaviors. And we also know that a lot of our local residents have been vaccinated. So there's a a certain level of complacency, which is leading to some of these increased amounts of cases. He adds, given the high vaccination rates in the county and the high efficacy of the vaccine to prevent severe disease, he doesn't anticipate the county is moving towards the same high numbers seen last winter. Although I don't have a crystal ball, I don't think that we're heading towards a constant upward trajectory. I think that as we enter off season and we have less folks and people are potentially traveling less because kids are in school and their vaccination continues to increase, we could be in a much, much better position this winter than we were last winter. With that said, if numbers continue to rise, residents and visitors should prepare for increased public health orders. If two metrics in San Miguel hit level orange on the state's COVID dial, restrictions, namely a mask mandate, will likely go into place. Public Health looks at three primary metrics. Incident rate, that's the number of people testing positive in the county per 100,000. Positivity rate, that's the percentage of tests that come back positive. And hospitalization, the number of people being hospitalized from COVID. Based on data from the past week, San Miguel County is in level yellow based on incident rate and level orange for positivity rate. But Bordonia is looking at the hospitalization numbers. Perhaps the biggest concern dial metric is the hospitalizations. And ours only shows how many locals we have in regional hospitals, which right now we're at zero. But the regional hospital capacity, when it exceeds 85%, becomes a major trigger point for concern. And we know that last week we had times when some of our regional hospitals weren't able to accept transfers because they were near capacity. So that That's not just a COVID concern, but if somebody's having a heart attack or had a massive accident, they might not be able to get treatment because of high COVID amounts of patients in our regional hospitals. With the increase in cases recently, San Miguel County is scaling up its testing across the county. Times and locations can be found at sanmiguelcountyco.gov slash coronavirus. 
Public Health is also continuing to provide COVID vaccinations, including booster shots for those who are immunocompromised. Saturday will be Ellen Levin's last day at her dream job. It was sort of the manifestation of like all of the things that I love. Levin has been the owner of Ghost Town for a little less than five years. Later this week, the local coffee shop and grocery store will shut its doors for the last time. The main reason, Levin says, is staffing. She struggled for years to retain employees because of the tight local housing market, but this month is different. Several employees are heading back to school, and she had four others put in their two weeks notice in one day. We're too busy and the job has become too straining and difficult, and they, they didn't want to do it anymore. At that point, she says she didn't have a choice. The scheduling wouldn't work with the four employees she had left. I think part of being a good business owner is knowing when it's not working anymore and knowing when to walk away instead of just like running yourself and your very few employees into the ground. A block away, another local eatery is also closing shop. Over the week, Taco Del Nar has gradually been taping over items on their menu as they work their way through the last of their inventory. Co-owner and co-founder Joe Willette says the main driver for their decision is Telluride is an expensive place to do business. You know, our option was to have bigger square footage, which we can't do, or to raise our prices to a really ridiculous amount so that people could have, you know, their tacos here. But $30 a taco is not going to cut it because we pride ourselves on being like the grassroots spot where people can afford our food. Off-season, he explains, is another challenging factor. You know, rent doesn't go away. You know, people don't understand that. Like, you know, when there's four people in here drinking a beer, you know, it's we still pay the same amount of rent that we paid during January or August, whatever it may be. So, as they've been nearing the end of a five-year lease, the team took a sobering look at the numbers. At the end of the day, when you look back over multiple years and you see that you haven't really produced much capital, you know, it makes it hard. It makes it hard to make that decision, but it was a heavy decision, you know, believe me. Willette doesn't blame anyone. As he sees it, the driver is the market and global forces too big for any one person to shape. Levin feels differently. If anything, her store died from an excess of success. They've been swamped, and business has been too booming. Overwork, Levin says, has led to the breakdown of staff and equipment. The front of our refrigerator literally fell off from being opened so many times. I, like, I don't know how else to interpret that. At the same time, the visitors coming lately, she feels, are less engaged with the community. Something happened and all of a sudden people are just like showing up for a photo on Main Street. They treat you like a robot. I'm going to say it. They're bad tippers and they don't care about what this place is. As Levin sees it, the area needs to build more workforce housing and dampen tourism. Our town is turning into a giant hotel. Like that's not a community. That's... That's something else. For now, Willette plans to keep cooking over at the Narin Ridgeway, which is staying open. He's grateful to have had the people who made the Telluride location a punk rock spot. You know, you look in there and there's a thousand stickers and the music's whatever. It's every, every single day here was enjoyable and created a great memory. And I'll look, I'll look back fondly on this. I'll tell my children about this. And, Hopefully they can envision it in their head. Levin is less sure what the near future holds. She's looking forward to doing nothing for a bit 
going hiking, and enjoying music. All these things that were part of living in Telluride that have somehow gotten written out of my story because everything's just become so unmanageable and I'm really excited to return to those things. Earlier this week, Levin did a card reading. One card she drew was from nothing to everything. The card signifies a time of pruning and letting go, a painful step in a larger journey to fulfillment. Nar Telluride served their final taco on Wednesday. Ghost Town's last day open will be Saturday, August 28th. The town of Telluride is looking to raise funds to build affordable housing by increasing its affordable housing mitigation percentage for new construction in town. New construction generates employees, uh, labor force demand, which in turn generates the housing need. That's Telluride Planning and Building Director Ron Quarles speaking before Telluride Town Council this week. Any new construction in Telluride, commercial or residential, must either build affordable housing as part of their construction project, or if it's 400 square feet or less, pay a fee in lieu. That fee, or additional units, is the affordable housing mitigation for the project. Currently, commercial construction is subject to 40% mitigation. Residential is subject to 60% mitigation. Now, the Telluride Planning and Zoning Commission is recommending the town increase the residential mitigation, with commercial staying the same. Quarles notes residential projects are the primary driver for building in town. Single-family construction is really the primary uh, source of um, affordable housing mitigation funds in the last two years. In addition, commercial projects end up paying more in taxes once built and in general create more actual housing units. We do uh, obtain actual square footage for commercial construction uh, since it usually exceeds the 400 square feet uh, for the mitigation. Dan Enright sits on the Planning and Zoning Commission and says PNZ unanimously supports the increase. He says they believe it's a piece of the puzzle to address the local housing crisis. We feel that the, the affordable housing problem in Telluride is systemic, not just one party's problem, but there, there's a lot of um, individual pieces to the larger picture, as you all know. And this, this measure will help to balance that overall picture where it's not just any one party's responsibility, but helping bring a solution to the wider community. From the start, council was in general support of increasing the mitigation for residential projects. Conversation primarily surrounded the extent of the increase. Council members Todd Brown, Adrian Christie, and Geneva Shawnette are in support of raising the mitigation significantly. For Shawnette, she believes increasing the mitigation cost could actually help create more units themselves. If you look at, you know, Aspen has them um, mitigating it either 90 or 100 percent. I can't remember, but it's it's really high. And because it's so expensive, um, people have actually found that it's cheaper to build the units. I think that raising it makes sense. I totally get that it's exorbitantly expensive, but it's so is um, so is housing in town. For everyone. But during public comment, Greg Craig questioned if raising the mitigation rates will just make Telluride more unobtainable for most. Doesn't this simply price anybody but the rich out of town that can afford to pay for this? It's an argument that resonates with council member Jesse Ray Arguez. These things that make this town more exclusive, I 
I have a really hard time uh, getting behind. Councilmember Adrian Christie, however, doesn't believe raising the mitigation is the make or break for most individuals building in town. I feel like we're already there already. Like it's no what average family, what average household, what middle income um, individual can afford to build here now. And I, I would say I'll answer my own question. No one. And so in my mind, the only people that are going to be able to then build housing for the average person in the working class people of our town is unfortunately the town of Telluride building affordable housing units. So in that case, I'm all for getting more money in that fund for us as the town of Telluride to be able to build housing for people. So it is to your point, Jesse Ray, not exclusive. In the end, town council unanimously supported moving forward with an ordinance to increase the affordable housing mitigation on residential properties to 90%. Council will further discuss and potentially vote on an ordinance to raise the mitigation rate at a later meeting. It's safe to say the Telluride Transfer Warehouse is one of the primary venues for events in the Box Canyon. And now, the four walls and no roof is upping its COVID restrictions as the Delta variant continues to spread throughout the county, state, and nation. Obviously, it's a moving target because things are changing uh, from day to day. Uh, But currently, we're going to require a vaccination card with a matching ID to enter or a proof of a negative test within 72 hours. That's Jared Carter, general manager of the Transfer Warehouse. He says the warehouse will accept a photo of a vaccine card on a phone or an app on a phone. And while individuals at the warehouse are not at this time required to maintain distance or wear masks, Carter says the warehouse is prepared to tighten restrictions further. We want to provide a space for the community, a place for musicians and artists to have an outlet, as well as a place for people to gather um, and see their friends, you know. And if it need be from a safe social distance and masked up, That's what we'll revert back to. Carter notes the decision to require vaccines comes after consultation and at the request of the San Miguel County Public Health Department. Really, the gold standard is at large events where people are congregating, vaccinations or a negative test result is a huge layer of protection. That's San Miguel County Public Health Director Grace Franklin. She says it was a call to action to the local events community. Saying, hey, you all have the tools in hand um, to keep your um, businesses going, to keep things open, um, but in a safer way. In addition to vaccination and negative COVID tests at events, Franklin strongly urges everyone to wear masks while in indoor public spaces, regardless of vaccination status. A minuet in the mountains, allegro at 87.50, staccato in the San Juans. Classical music is headed to Telluride. Throughout September, the Transfer Warehouse will host a chamber music happy hour series featuring local musicians. The series kicks off Wednesday, September 1st with violist Lyrica Smolensky. Over the rest of the month, Claire Beard, Travis Fisher, Annika Dean, Annie Foxen, Colby Morrison, and Donovan Daly will let loose and get classical on flute, violin, piano, and guitar. Doors are at 5 for all happy hours, music at 5.30. Entry requires a vaccination card or a negative COVID test within 72 hours. More information is available at telluridearts.org. 
Last week, Colorado Parks and Wildlife released three great horned owls rescued from a construction project in Gunnison in April. The nestlings were in a tree slated to get cut down for a new parking lot. A construction worker spotted them and alerted CPW, which lured the owls out of the nest and cared for them over the next four months. Once the owls grew large enough and understood how to hunt for food, CPW released them at the Gunnison State Wildlife Area. When mudslides carried debris across Interstate 70 in Glenwood Canyon, the impact went beyond just closing the roadway. As KUNC's Alex Hagar reports, they reshaped the course of the Colorado River. Multiple debris flows forced dirt, rock, and trees into the river, and that created new bends for water to flow around. A few of those could cause future problems for the interstate, where new pools could swell with heavy rains or spring runoff and spill onto the road. Mike Willis is Colorado's emergency management director. The river doesn't care that there's an interstate there or not. It's perfectly happy to flow right over I-70 uh, as, it, as she makes her way uh, downriver. To help prevent flooding, Willis says they'll try to dig away some of the mud and debris with excavators. That work is set to begin in the next month and a half and should wrap up before next spring. I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Friday, expect sunny skies with a high around 70 and a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Friday night should be mostly clear with a low around 50 degrees. Saturday calls for mostly sunny skies with a high near 70 degrees and a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Saturday night, expect mostly clear skies with a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Thursday, August 26th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who has donated to Kodo during our summer fund drive. A huge thank you to Natalie Binder, Josh and Katya Rappaport, Sally Puff Courtney, Mike Hardy, Eleni Constantine and Jonathan Abram, Peggy and Jay Rabel, Aura Zink, Lance and Laura Waring Colbert, Marty Langan, Karen Patterson, Steve Green, Delaney Young, Cindy Obran, Joan May, Will and Hillary Thompson, Robin Pale, Mark Shambaugh, Lance McDonald, Mary Woodland, Nick Kennedy, Don and Doreen Miles, Sam Burgess and Jill Wilson, Michael Schaffler, Scott Ulam, Catherine Warren, Rita Robinson, Dirk and Brigitte DePagter, Terry Tice, Rube Felicelli, Dave and Kelly Jemison, Jim Looney, Susie St. Ange, Jim and Sue Lincoln, Rich and Liz Salem, Jeff Gibson, and Norm McLean. Thank you all so much. Thank you.